0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. This morning we are continuing on our series in edification and taking a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and taking a look at the letter that was written to the church at Thessalonica. There were two letters written there. That's why we have two books, 1st and 2nd Th- Thessalonians. And uh, when you read the letters and uh, when, you, when you read through the different epistles, you can get a feel for each of the different churches uh, by seeing what is addressed in each of the churches. And, and the church here at Thessalonica, of course, was not a perfect church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Amen. You know, we're still full. Uh, every single church is sinful people, and uh, we all still have a flesh. And one day we'll be with our Lord. We'll have a glorified body, but here on earth we still have that flesh within us. There's no such thing as a perfect church, but the church here at Thessalonica, I think you could see, is a, a little bit more of a mature church than maybe some of the other churches. You could get a sense of that when you read some of the other epistles. You can see the things that were being dealt with in the churches, and and some fairly uh, serious things. Even some basic things, when you read the letter to uh, the church at Corinth, you see some sins that are being addressed, definitely some issues within that church that needed to be confronted and dealt with, Uh, by the Apostle Paul, some instruction that needed to be given about you know some ordinances that were in the church that were not being done correctly, and this is how you do it, and and some things being done in the church, and and Paul needed to set the record straight and give some instruction and say, you know, these are the things that we do, and this is how we do it, let all things be done decently and in order, they need to be orderly, and so he gave some instruction there, and you could see the kind of uh, uh, issues that the church at Corinth was dealing with, and you could see maybe at the church at Galatia that they were dealing with some things, they were dealing with the flesh and they were dealing with going back to the works and and going back to the law and and going back to some of these things And, and there were definitely some issues that needed to be dealt with. Here in Thessalonica, of course, they weren't a perfect church but you could see the maturity of the church by seeing some of the things that are being dealt with and seeing some of the things that are mentioned. In verse number 11, we read that Paul gives a command to the church at Thessalonica to edify one another and that's the theme of our series. It's to be edified, to be built up, to be constructed. We're part of the body of Christ. We are the building of God. And so we are to edify one another. But he adds a phrase there at the end, even as also ye do. You know what Paul was saying to this church at Thessalonica was, I'm giving you a command by the word of the Lord to edify one another. But he also encourages them by saying, I know you've been doing these things already. You've been edifying one another. You've been encouraging one another. And that was one of the signs of a mature church is that they came together with the mindset to edify one another. A mature church is full of people, believers who seek to edify one another. A mature Christian will come looking to help build up another individual. To help build up another Christian. Maybe through a form setting you know we have a discipleship program here at the church and and uh, somebody who wants to learn more and and grow and and uh, maybe you've been recently saved or maybe you've been saved a long time but feel like you hadn't been able to grow in certain areas you know we have a discipleship program that will allow for you to be paired up with maybe a more seasoned believer who will be able to show you some things they'll go through some curriculum cover some doctrine and things like that and and uh, that's one way to edify another believer but even here in church without even in a formal setting, you might just come and seek to edify another believer. You might come just seeking to encourage somebody to continue living for the Lord and continue to serve the Lord, coming to look for somebody who is maybe bearing some burdens. You want to get to know some of your fellow Christians here in the church, some of the fellow sheep. You know, in in Galatians, it talks about bearing one another's burdens. And, And a mature Christian will come looking for somebody who's maybe got some heavy burdens, and they want to be a help. They want to help bear some of these burdens. A mature Christian will seek to edify other believers. They're coming this morning to look to edify another believer this morning. You know, that's the sign of a mature Christian that I think we could see or look for in ourselves and we could see in this church. And and I want to take a look at this passage here as Paul deals with some different uh, things, some different topics and concluding with edification. First of all, I see the prompt return of the Savior. The prompt or soon return of the Savior. Jesus is coming again, and he's coming soon. Verse number 1 says, But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Here again is another indication of some maturity. He's saying, I'm writing to you some of these things, but I know that you know it already, but I'm going to remind you again. You know, hey, if if you hear some good truth, you hear it again, it's an encouragement. And so here Paul is trying to encourage these Thessalonians once again. But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief, in the night, Jesus is coming again. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with per- fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Jesus is going to come again. And it's going to be a surprising return. It's going to be a surprising return. Return. Verse 2 again says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh. How is the day of the Lord coming? It will come as a thief in the night. You know, I've been fortunate that I've never been, uh, uh, my home has never been robbed or things like that, but you can imagine the surprise for any of you that maybe have experienced that, the surprise of having been robbed, having your home been entered, you know, on a more lighter no. maybe you've had a surprise birthday party. You ever have a surprise birthday party that wasn't a surprise, like you could see it coming a mile away? You ever been there? You know, whoever's planning is just not good at keeping secrets. And, uh, you know, you, you could see it coming a mile away. And, uh, you know, you come and you try to act all surprised, like, oh, hey, oh, I didn't know that you were going to do this thing right here, right now. You know, my daughter plays this game where she tries to surprise me or, or her mom you know, and uh, I'll be lying in bed and she'll uh, lie under the covers and she'll count to ten out loud. And then she'll uncover herself and say, surprise, and we're like, oh, so what a surprise, you know? And, you know, there are instances where, you know, something is meant to be a surprise, but you can see it coming. You know what's coming. It's not really a surprise at all, but when Jesus comes, it will all be a surprise. You're not going to know it's coming. You're not going to get a countdown from 1 to 10. And then Jesus says, all right, I'm coming now. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be a surprising return. It will be a sudden return. Verse number 3, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them. It's going to be a sudden return. There's not necessarily going to be a ramp up where you can say, all right, we're at level one. Now we're at level two. Now we're at level 10. All right, Jesus is going to come. He's going to come right now. And and we could see the signs, I think, when you look at the Bible and when you see the word and you see the instruction, you could see some of the signs that Jesus is coming soon, but you're not going to know what day Jesus is going to come. Nobody knows the day that Jesus is going to come. It's going to be a surprise. And it can be a temptation to say, you know what? I know that Jesus is coming again, but, you know, there are some other things that I want to do. I'm a little bit busy right now, and, and one day I'll serve the Lord. But, but right now, I, just, I, I don't think that Jesus is going to come soon. I hope that Jesus isn't going to come soon, so I'm going to go do some other things. Before I serve the Lord, before Jesus comes back, be careful. Jesus is going to make a sudden return. When you don't expect it, Jesus might be returning. Thirdly, it will be a separating return. Verse number three, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Who would want to escape the coming of the Lord? Obviously, the lost would not want to see the Lord return. Because that would mean what the Bible says is true. That would mean that there is only one way to get to heaven. That means that what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life is true. But I think also for believers. I think there are many believers that will regret the coming of the Lord because they will say we weren't ready. We were doing some other things. You know, how you live will determine your response to the return of Christ. Some will rejoice when Jesus returns. You know, earlier when I said Jesus is coming again, many of you said amen. You're looking forward to the return of Christ. You're looking forward to when the Lord returns. But maybe there was somebody here this morning. When I said Jesus is coming again and he's coming again soon, you said, oh no, I hope it's not too soon. You know, there can be two different reactions to the return of the Lord and how you live will determine your reaction to the return of the Lord. Luke chapter 12, verse number 45 says, But, and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and he will cut him asunder and will point him his portion with the unbelievers. The, the, the way that you live today will determine your reaction to the way to when Christ returns, say, tomorrow. We don't know when Christ will return. It's interesting, yesterday, there were uh, if you pay attention to college football, yesterday was a big day. There's a lot of conference championships that were played today. And I didn't watch the games, but I saw a few clips here and there. Uh, and it was, it, was, it was interesting whenever you go to these championship games, really when you go to any sporting event, uh, but particularly championship games because typically uh, the, the, the fans are kind of split 50-50, right? You know, during the season you have a home team and you have an away team and the home team of course has all of their fans there and there's just a little smattering of, of the opposing, you know, the visiting team, but the championship game is kind of split 50-50, you know, kind of give one team half the tickets, the other team gets the other half of the tickets and uh, it was interesting to see because at the end of the game or towards the end of the game when you could kind of see who is going to win, you could see that one group of people was cheering. You know, they were hugging, they were high-fiving, they were jumping, they were yelling, they were screaming. You know, there are strangers all around them giving high-fives to all of these people that they'd never seen before in their lives. And on the other side of the stadium, you just see some sad faces, you know, just kind of hunched over looks. Nobody's jumping, nobody's standing, everybody's just kind of like leaning on the bars and just kind of sitting in their seats. And Same event. Same activities, same results, but two different reactions. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And he's coming again soon. How's your reaction to that? Are you joyful for that phrase? Jesus is coming again. Man, I can't wait to see him again. I can't wait till he comes. I can't wait till he returns. I can't wait to get my glorified body. I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait until I'm, I'm done with this flesh. I'm, I can't wait till I get to see my Lord and my Savior. Is that your reaction? Or is it like, oh, Jesus is coming again. I had so many other things that I wanted to do here on earth. And, and I was living this way. And, and I was living that way. And I was living in sin and living for myself instead of looking for the Savior. 1 John chapter 2. Is written by the Apostle John, and he says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. You know, John, this is John the Apostle. All right, Peter, James, and John, this John who knew Jesus who was there when Jesus was uh, under trial, John went in. This John, this John the Apostle wrote and he said, we know it is the last time. John's attitude was, Jesus is coming again, and he's coming again very soon. That was almost 2,000 years ago. His attitude was, Jesus is coming again. And he's coming again soon. You know, one of the greatest tricks of the devil is not that he tricks believers into thinking that Jesus isn't coming again. We know he's coming again, right? We know that. One of his greatest tricks is he tricks the believer into thinking, yeah, Jesus is coming again, but he's not coming soon. Hey, you got time to go live for the flesh? Hey, you've got time to live for the pleasures of the world. Hey, you could put yourself first. Yeah, Jesus is coming, but he's not coming again soon. You could, you could live for God later. You could serve him later. You could do all of these things later. But John the Apostle said, Jesus is coming again soon, and I'm going to live for him. Hey, if we're going to edify one another. We always need to remember Jesus is coming again soon. Jesus is coming again soon. I see the prompt return of the Savior. But I also see the pressing rousing or the awaking of the sleeper. In the first five verses, you see that that, uh, Paul is writing to the church and and he tells them, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again soon. Jesus is coming again as a thief in the night. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. He's telling them over and over again, verse 6, therefore, because Jesus is coming again, therefore... This is what you should do. Let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. If Jesus is coming again, and he's coming again soon, then I think now is a bad time to be asleep. You know, there's some bad times to be asleep. Did you read the story, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, about that man who was pulled over, asleep in his car, did you read about this? He drove for seven miles asleep in his car. Did you read about this? He was driving a Tesla. You know how Teslas have that, like, you know, auto driving mode or whatever? He was apparently, he got arrested. I think he got arrested. I think he was drunk or something and, and he had fallen asleep. He had fallen asleep and the car was using and driving for seven miles without him. You ever fallen asleep driving a car? It's a scary thing. You ever driven and then got to your destination and just kind of like woke up and you're like, how did I even get here? You ever been there? I've been there. That's scary. It was really scary. I was like, I do not remember the last five minutes at all. I just remember like waking up here. I was like, wow, that's really scary. I think I need to get some sleep. You know, there's some bad times to be asleep but I think the irony of it is that you don't know that you're asleep until you wake up, right? You don't know that you're asleep until you wake up, right? I don't know what your nightly routine is or what you do before you go to sleep, but you do all your nightly routine and you get into bed and, and uh, you know, right before you fall asleep, you're kind of vaguely aware of what's going on, you know? You're, you're lying in bed you know, there's the pillow, there's the blankets, you know. Uh, they say that you're not supposed to be on your phone, but some of you might be on your phone, you know, just scrolling through or whatever it is that you're doing. And, and uh, you might be reading something. You might be just lying there. I, I don't know what your routine is, but isn't it always true that when you, you, you're just kind of vaguely there and then the next moment you're like awake and it's eight hours later? Right? You don't remember falling asleep. You don't remember being asleep. But you realize that you were asleep only after you've woken up. I think spiritually that can be true as well. That it is only when we are awake that we realize that we were asleep. That we were sleeping Christians. And we need to realize, if we are sleeping, that we're sleeping so that we could be awake. And in verse number 6, Paul gives some, some instruction, if you will, some descriptions of how we can know that we're awake or whether we are asleep. What do awake Christians do as opposed to sleeping Christians? How do I tell the difference? Obviously, physically this morning, you're awake. Amen? If somebody is sleeping next to you, just, just give them a friendly nudge. All right? Wake up. Now is a good time to be awake. All right? How do I know if I'm sleeping or if I'm awake? Awake Christians... They are standing. Verse number 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. When you're just going along with things, that means you're asleep. If you're just always going with the flow, you're asleep. Awake Christians will make a stand. Awake Christians will seek the truth. Awake Christians will stand on the truth. Awake Christians will not just go along with where everybody else is going and what everybody else is doing. I'm going to find out where God wants me to be and I'm going to be there. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to serve there. Asleep Christians will just go with the flow. Well, that's what the culture is like today. Have you noticed the culture of America is shifting? And it's rapidly shifting. Hey, an asleep Christian will just kind of go with the flow. Even Christianity as a, as a group, evangelicalism, if you want to kind of, you know, put us in a group, you know, you see, you know, people will claim the, the, the Bible and the gospel and things like that. You could see that they're shifting. Hey, an asleep Christian will just kind of go along. Well, that's what everybody else is doing. That's where everybody else is going. That's just, well, everybody's moving this way. I guess I'm going to move this way as well. An asleep Christian will just go along with the flow, as do others. That's what everybody else is doing. That's what I'm going to do. That's what my culture says. That's what my family's doing. I'm just going to go along with that. That's what my friends are doing. This is what my friends are doing. I'm just going to go along with that. An asleep Christian will go along with that, but an awake Christian will say, Hey, 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 hold on a second. Jesus is coming again. And he's coming again soon. So I want to know where I'm supposed to be. I want to know what I'm supposed to be doing. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. You know that road that leads to destruction? It's a wide road. It's an eight-lane highway. You can't miss it. Everybody's on it. But the road that leads to everlasting life, it's, it's a narrow road. The right way. It's a small street. And Jesus tells us, hey, enter ye in at the straight gate. Hey, there's a wide road that everybody's on, but you don't want to get on the road that everybody's on just because everybody's on the road. If everybody's jumping off a cliff, are you going to jump off it too? It's not a good idea. You've got to find out where that road ends. And Jesus says, the road to destruction, it's wide. It's easy to find. You can't miss it. But the road... That God wants us to go on. It's a narrow road. It's not so easy to find. You've got to find that road. Sometimes it's, it's a temptation to say, well, everybody's doing it. You know, you're at work, everybody at work is doing this. You're with your friends, everybody's, you're in class, everybody's, all your friends are doing it, your family might be doing it. Some, uh, everybody's just doing it, it'll be fine. Proverbs 11:21 21 warns us, Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Everybody else might be doing it, but if they're on the road to destruction, they'll all end up in destruction together. Hey, an away Christian will, will look down the road and say, where is this road leading? Hey, where is everybody going? An away Christian just doesn't go along with the flow. They want to find out where this flow is going. They want to they find out, is this, is, is this going to lead to life or is this going to lead to death? I want to know. In a way, Christian will make a stand. That's why you got to get into your Bible. That's why you, as a believer, need to get into your Bible so that you know where this whole flow is going. So that you know, hey, hold on. Am I just going along with the flow of Bible Baptist church? I think we have a good flow. Amen? we got a good flow here. Amen? We're, on the, we're, we're going in the right... We're not a perfect church, but we got a good flow going on. But an away Christian doesn't just go along with the flow. Even if it's a good flow, they want to know, where is this going? I want to know if this is the right thing. And I think when you look at the Bible, you'll see, yeah, this, this flow is going in the right direction. Hey, we're talking about Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. It's by grace and not by works. Jesus is coming again. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Hey, we believe in the local uh, New Testament church. That we should have a local body of believers. We believe in in salvation before baptism. We believe in these things of the Bible. And and I think that when you look at the Bible, you say, hey, you know what? I'm glad I'm in this church because we got a good flow going. Hey, we're going in the right direction, but I'm not going along with the flow just because it's the flow. I'm going along because I know this is the truth. An awake Christian will find the place to stand and he'll stand there. And he'll be going in the right direction. An awake Christian will be standing. An awake Christian will also be serving. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch. We need to be watching Christians. An awake Christian is one who is watching. One who is looking. One who is seeking. We need to be alert and we need to be watching. And to be watching means to be serving. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives a parable. And in verse number 43, he says, But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched... And would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Hey, if you knew what day and what time the thief was coming, you wouldn't be asleep, would you? You'd be awake. It's the same thing with us. If we know that Jesus is coming soon, we'd be awake and not asleep. Verse number 44, therefore be ye also ready. That's the admonition. You don't know when Jesus is coming, but you know he's coming soon, so be ready. Ready? Be ready. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise, what's the next word? What's the next word? Servant. Whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give him meat in due season, an awake Christian will realize that he is a servant. And a servant does what? He serves. What do servants do? They serve. An awake Christian will be watching. A watching Christian is one who serves. Blessed, verse 46, blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him a ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant... What does an evil servant do, or what does an evil servant think? How do we know if we're evil? We're all servants because we are humans. We are in the form of a servant. That's what Philippians 2 says. And if we are saved, then we are servants of God. But if, and that, but and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming. The difference between a good servant and a wicked servant, a righteous servant and an evil servant, is the righteous servant says, Jesus is coming again soon. The wicked servant will just say, Jesus is coming. But he's not coming soon. He's the his coming. I can go and do some other things. I can live how I want to live. And that leads to this, verse 49. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not and in an hour that he is not aware of. An awake Christian is one who is serving because he knows I want to be serving when Jesus comes again because I'm a servant. And that's what I need to be doing. Hey, be active in your church. I know it's a temptation to say, I know I need to serve but I'll serve later. I'll serve next year. I'll serve when I'm done with school. I'll serve when I get a job. I'll serve when I finally get settled down. I'll serve when I get married. I'll serve when I have kids. I'll serve when my kids are grown up and out. I'll serve when, we can make all sorts of reasons why we can't serve today, but an awake Christian is one who realizes Jesus is coming again soon, so I need to be serving today. I need to be serving now. An awake Christian is one who is standing. An awake Christian is one who is serving. An awake Christian is one who is sober. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, be sober and be vigilant. Why do we need to be vigilant? Why do we need to be diligent? Because your adversary, you have an enemy. Our church has an enemy, and it's not each other. It's not that other Christian that you're having a problem with. It's not your husband or your wife. It's not your children. It's not your parents. It's not the other people here in the church who is our enemy. It is the devil. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. There is a Satan trying to tear down what God is trying to build up. And in a way, Christian is aware of that. And they understand that Satan will get into a marriage and say, hey, you know that, that thing that your husband said? He, re- he really doesn't care about you. And, and uh, you know, your wife ignores you. You know, she's, she's, she, she doesn't care about you. And, and Satan will use anything to try to break up a marriage and break up a family and break up a church. But, but in a way, Christian realizes there's an enemy out there and Jesus is coming soon. we got to stick together. we got to serve together. Hey, we got to be a lighthouse together. Hey, maybe there's something going on between me and a brother, me and a sister. There's, there's some problems going on. Hey, you know what? Let, hey, let's, let's get this over with. Hey, let's, let's forgive this. Hey, let's move beyond this because Jesus is coming soon. We don't got time to be messing around with this. We don't got time to be messing around with bitterness. We don't got time to mess around with grudges. Jesus is coming soon. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. We read this verse earlier. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Jesus is coming soon. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. everything in the earth and everything done in the earth will be gone. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved when Jesus comes again, here's the admonition. What manner or what kind of persons ought ye to be? Man, that's convicting, isn't it? Knowing Jesus is coming soon, and the earth and all that is done in it will be gone, what kind of person should you be? In all holy conversation and godliness. An awake Christian thinks, according to these two verses, Jesus is coming again, so what kind of person should I be? I need to be standing. I need to be serving. I need to be sober. Lastly, I see the prioritized response of the spiritual. What makes someone spiritual? There are so many answers to that question, but I know this. A spiritual person can be seen in how they respond to God's word. A spiritual person can be seen in how they respond to God's word. Verse 11. Wherefore, because of this, comfort yourselves together. That's not a suggestion, it's a command. Comfort one another And edify one another, even as also you do. Knowing that Jesus is coming again soon, and knowing what I need to do and what our church needs to do, we ought to edify one another. You know how we ought to edify one another? By reminding each other, hey, Jesus is coming again soon. Hey, you know what? I I want you to edify one another right now. Find somebody right next to you, right now, Look to them and say, Jesus is coming again soon. Some of you are like, uh, Jesus is coming again soon? Like a question? No, say it confidently. Jesus is coming again soon. Tell them again. Okay, there we go. Jesus is coming again, and he's coming again soon. You know, when we come together, you know what we ought to be doing? We ought to be edifying each other. By reminding each other, hey, Jesus is coming again soon. Hey, let's be serving. Hey, let's be standing. Hey, let's be sober. Hey, let's be doing these things because we know that Jesus is coming again soon. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Hey, we need to encourage each other to love and to do good works, to serve the Lord. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So, we ought to be coming together when we gather together, right? Right? That's why church services is so important. Because the Bible says, why do we come together? To consider one another, to provoke unto love and to good works. Where do we do that? Well, we do it in church. Now you can do it in other ways as well. I'm glad for those that are, are friends together here in the church and you gather together and you meet up together. You know, outside of a church service, you can, still, you, you can edify one another in that place. And, and maybe there's a Life Connection class that does an activity. You can edify one another in that place as well. But the church as a whole, when do we gather? We gather for the church services. And that's what we're doing. We're edifying one another out of God's word. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Hey, let's build up one another. Let's encourage one another. And so much the more. Do it even more as you see the day approaching. The closer the day of Jesus' return comes, we ought to gather more. We ought to encourage more. We ought to exhort one another more. Hey, Jesus is coming soon. He's coming even sooner. Hey, let's encourage one another. Hey, when a fellow Christian is going through a trial, encourage them. Hey, 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 I know you're going through a tough time, but Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. Hey, hang in there. Hey, keep serving. Hey, keep living for the Lord. I know you're going through a tough time, but keep on trusting God. Hey, I know your finances aren't aren't the best, but keep on living for God and following God's word. and, And work hard and do what you can and trust the Lord. Edify them. Hey, hey, I know it's not easy, but Jesus is coming again. Encourage one another. Uh, you know, I've been witnessing and I've been trying to tell my friends about the gospel, inviting them to church. They're, not, they're saying, no, they're making fun of me. They're persecuting me. They're leaving me. Hey, find, the, find that person and say, hey, hey, keep on living for the Lord. Jesus is coming again soon. He's coming again soon. Hang in there. Stand there. Hey, you know where you ought to be. Hey, continue to live and, and serve the Lord. Hey, let's gather together. Let's encourage one another. Hey, I think every single one of us, we're going through some tough times, Right? And, you know, when you go through some t- tough times, you know, some people are tempted to quit. You know what? You know, maybe if I just dropped out of services for a little bit of time. You know, maybe if I just stop giving so much to the church. If I, if I stopped doing all these things, there's a temptation. Hey, let's, let's encourage one another. No, 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 no. Don't quit yet. Hey, don't quit. Hey, Jesus is coming soon. He's coming again soon. Let's be in the right place. Let's be serving. Let's be living for God. Hey, Jesus is coming again. And he's coming again soon. Let's edify one another. Hey, let's comfort one another. If somebody's going through some tough times, let's comfort them. Hey, I know it's it's not easy right now, but stay with the Lord. Stay close to God because Jesus is coming again soon. Jesus is coming again soon. When somebody is, is serving and faithful and they feel like, you know what, I'm just doing this thing and it's all about, hey, let's, let's get behind that person and say, hey, hey, you know what, first of all, you're not doing it by yourself. You've got a whole body of believers that are serving together. And also remember, Jesus is coming against you. Jesus is coming against you. Hey, let's gather together for church services so that we could encourage one another and remind one another, Jesus is coming against you. Let's edify one another Let's stand in the right place. Let's be serving. Let's be vigilant. Because Jesus is coming again soon.